Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Let's take our Bibles, go to Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. And uh, ushers, thank you for your help this morning. If you did not receive a copy of the notes, uh, our ushers have a copy for you. And uh, we'll jump right into the Word of God. I'm not going to preach a super long message this morning, um, but I... I would be remiss in my duties as pastor if we came to church on a Sunday morning and we did not preach the Word of God. And so let's get into the Word of God this morning. And I want to preach a message entitled, Let's Continue Slowly in 2021. We still have six months left. Let's continue slowly in 2021. Now, many of us, we've taken trips, and before we begin on our journey, we check the road maps, and we check the road conditions. Usually, we adopt some type of strategy for our trip based on the type of terrain that we'll cover. For example, when I travel those long and boring stretches on I-10 between Tucson and Phoenix, my agenda may include getting caught up on phone calls and sitting back, being relaxed. Uh, However, when I journey perhaps to a mountainous area and I were to travel up Mount Lemmon, for example, my approach would be more serious and focused. And there's some signs if I were to go up Mount, uh, up Mount Lemmon where I might see a sign that says something like this, slow for curves, slow for curves. And that's a warning for us that there's imminent danger if we do not slow down. And it's a fact that certain journeys require more caution and discernment. And when I think about some of those journeys, if I do not heed the call and I drive however I want to, when I go into that curve, I could flip over. I could cause imminent danger to my family or those who are in the vehicle with me. But don't miss this. It's also a fact that the Christian journey has many twists and turns along the way. And if we're not careful, we'll become a casualty of one of those turns and we'll find ourselves in a desperate strait if we do not learn to exercise some spiritual discernment in the way that we live and in the way that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why the Apostle Paul prayed a prayer for the Christians in Philippi. We find that prayer in Philippians chapter number 1. And here's the Apostle Paul. He was suffering severe persecution in a Roman prison. He was waiting to be sentenced, perhaps to death, perhaps to a life of imprisonment. He, but in spite of his own personal obstacles, he wanted those Christians in the church of Philippi to know that he was praying for them. And he knew that they would face some curves, uh, some dangers in their Christian faith. And if they were to safely navigate this trip, if they were to safely arrive, that they must learn to slow down for those curves that they would face. So let's read our text together this morning. Just three verses. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. The Word of God says this. And this is the Apostle Paul. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. 
that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. In these verses, Paul gives us three requests by way of prayer that he had for the church of Philippi. Prayer request number one, he says this, I am praying for abounding love. I pray for abounding love. That word abound found here in verse number nine. Here's what it means. We go back in the culture and context of the language of that which the apostle Paul was writing. He said, he's giving us this word abound. It means to pour, to gush like a river. This is not a love that just trickles out. I want your love to abound yet more and more like a river pouring down a mountainside. Just this past week, right here in Tucson, we have seen a dry desert, parched desert, turn to a pouring, abounding rivers of water and washes and riverbeds and even our own streets. May I just say Christian living begins with love. But not only does it begin with love, it's to be an abounding love, a love that gushes out. I have this great fear that over the past 14 to 16 months, as we face COVID-19, we face this influx of all kinds of, of, of vaccine information and max mask information and this thing and that thing and and there and it has polarized America either on the right hand or the left hand and I have a great fear that perhaps we become jaded as Christians we become too comfortable as Christians we become content with our lives and we've slipped in this area of abounding love Oh, remember what the Word of God says. We love Him because He first loved us. Do you know that most men and women today are not going around trying to find some relationship with Christ? They're not the, uh, they're not the beginners of the relationship. It is God who first loved us. And we're merely responding to that love. The Bible says that once we respond to that love, in 1 John 3 and verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Do you love those that you go to church with? It's a demonstration of God's word. Love is that distinguishing characteristic of God's people. We know that we're saved. We know that we belong to the Lord because of this. We love the brethren. It's the love of Christ that is that distinguishing characteristic. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 1 often referred to as the love chapter. It says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, I'm just a bunch of noise if I do not have love. God says that, I, if, I can, that if I can do all these outward things and yet I have not love, that all those outward good things that I do, it means absolutely nothing. If I do not have love. Now churches are filled with dramatics. Organizations of, of every kind. Lights, camera, action. But no love. The work of the Lord cannot continue in Tucson Baptist Church. Unless we have love. We must love those who are unlovely. We must love those who are different than us. 
We must love those who we go to church with. We cannot continue without abounding, gushing, pouring love. Paul is saying that I'm praying that you abound more and more in love. I read a book called The Christian Life, and in that book it gave a little illustration. Uh, A Bible college president was invited to speak and give a devotion to the Dallas Cowboys, albeit this was back many years ago. He gave the devotion. After he gave the devotion, he sat down next to one of the Dallas Cowboy players, and one of the players said to to this pastor, Doc, I can't tell my friends from my enemies. It would be wonderful if I had a friend whose primary concern was not my number or my name, but just me. What a sad testimony. May we be Christians who have an abounding, gushing love for other people. There are people throughout our area who are simply saying today, I wish there was someone, someone who would just love me for who I am, not because of some status or some title or some style of clothing. Jesus, by the way, loves you just the way you are this morning. He doesn't put conditions. I'll love you when you achieve this status. I'll love you when you look a certain way. I'll love you when you smell a certain way. I'll love you when you have all of the correct language. I'm so thankful that Jesus is colorblind. Jesus is not defined by language. And by the way, Jesus Jesus is not going to have English as the language in heaven. Jesus loves you just where you are this morning. Paul goes on to say in verse number 9, I desire that your love abound, flow in two areas. He said wisdom and knowledge. Yes, love must have some restraints. As that mighty rushing river of love comes cascading down the mountainside, the apostle Paul states that we must set up two walls of restraint, two things to guide or hold back that water. It needs to abound more and more in wisdom and knowledge. He says, I want you to be specific in your love. It needs to be controlled by knowledge. Knowledge is a grasp of spiritual truth. That's why you read your Bibles. That's why you come to church. That's why you're part of a growth group. That's why you're part uh, uh, of a a good, Christ-honoring, mentoring relationship is that I can grasp spiritual truth. I set my affection on the things that God sets his affection on. I'm to love the things that God loves. And by the way, I'm to hate the things that God hates. You say, I don't believe in a God who hates anything. Well, you would be perhaps reading a different Bible than I'm reading. Because in the book of Proverbs, he says there's seven things that he hates. Very specific. And any one of us could have one of those seven things as a part of our lives this morning. Uh, We're to be controlled not only by knowledge, but by judgment. Now, a better word for judgment there would be a word discernment. Uh, That would be a more applicable word in 2021, what he means here. The idea of that word judgment is discernment. Discernment between good and evil. Paul says, I'm praying for you as a Christian, and as you're growing, and as you're abounding and gushing in love, that you would just keep abounding in love with some restraints or discernment. Oh, there's different ways that Satan tries to destroy us. And he does that through false doctrine and the parachurch ministry and ecumenical gatherings. And and, and by the way, I don't mean to, to, to alarm or upset anyone this morning, but may I just tell you, there's some things that the Bible says is right and there's some things that the Bible says is wrong. 
and we shouldn't chafe under that. This past week, we were in the country of Puerto Rico on a trip, and as we were on this trip uh, at the same hotel, there were dozens and dozens of people there that were with Joyce Meyer, and they were all gushing about her. Now listen, you may be her number one fan, but may I just tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says there's no such thing as women preachers. And that might rub you the wrong way in 2021, but tell God that he's the one who wrote the book. I'm merely the messenger of what he wrote in the book. And there, there cannot be women preachers today. Um, the Bible is very clear in those, that prohibition, and we need to exercise some discernment. And here's the thing. It's a little bit of truth mixed with a lot of error, and it's leading people down a life that's going to lead to destruction. We need to have some restraint. We need to have some discernment and some knowledge. And this attribute of abounding more and more in love with restraint and judgment and wisdom, it's missing in a lot of churches today. The Bible teaches us that as you exercise your senses, you can discern evil and good. Many Christians, they fail to slow down for that curve. And what is that curve? It's called a curve of compromise. Now, folks, what was true in the Bible a thousand years ago is still true today. The Bible has not changed. And may we at TBC and all of our ministries, may we be a ministry that abounds in love and discernment. And we see this morning that Paul had a prayer request. I'm praying for an abounding, a gushing love with some knowledge and some discernment. He had a prayer request number two. He says, I'm praying that you have an approving life. I'm praying for an approving life. What does Paul mean? We're to approve things that are excellent. He uses this word. The word approve means to test with the same sense of approval or to assay materials. Now, back in the, in the 1980s when I finished college, suddenly there was this huge push on in the corporate world with this word excellence. Uh, Many books were being written. On television, advertisements were using this word excellence. Many businesses adopted a motto that included the word excellence. I'm so thankful that the Bible does say that we're to do things with excellence here in our ministry. Oh, we won't always be perfect, but we're to approve things that are excellent. Yes, we have the liberty to enjoy certain things in this life, but I want you to listen carefully. Just because culture changes, the Word of God does not change. Did everyone hear that? Just because our culture changes does not mean the Word of God changes. 25 years ago, you could watch things on television that... Uh, would probably line up with the Word of God. I think it would be hard for us to say today that television lines up in any manner with the Word of God. Do our hobbies and our interests line up with the Word of God? Are they excellent? We need to have a prayer. Lord, show me what's primary and show me what's secondary. Lord, show me what's eternal and what's temporary. Lord, teach me the difference between good and better and best. Lord, I want to approve that which is excellent. Uh, I want to approve that which you would be pleased with. Much of what is written in God's word, uh, it says it's right or it's wrong. However, many times there are some activities that, that we have to exercise knowledge and discernment and we have to determine what is good and better and best for our lives and that of our family. Lord, what's the best thing for my family? Lord, what's the best thing for my career? Lord, 
what is the ministry that you want me that would be best for me and my family to be involved with in my church? Lord, help me to prove things that are not just okay. Help me to prove what is best or excellent. How can we know what is excellent? Would you turn in your Bibles over one page? If you still have your Bibles open, turn over one page in your Bible to chapter 4. This is a wonderful verse. If you're not afraid to mark in your Bibles, put a box around this verse right here. It can help you this morning in your family life. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever, whatsoever things are of a good report or a good testimony. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, he says this, think or act on these things. Here's what a teenager says with defiance. Tell me what's wrong with my music. No, 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 no. The question is, tell me what's right with my music. Hmm, that changes everything. Sometimes moms and dads are just as rebellious as teenagers. Well, what's wrong with it, preacher? We ask the wrong question in the wrong manner with the wrong attitude. Let's realize what the signpost says. The signpost simply says this, slow down, curve ahead, danger ahead. We need to ask, what is right with my attitude? What is right with my action? What is right with my words. Some might complain, you Baptist preachers, you're always harping on things. Why is that? You Baptist preachers, just a bunch of rebel rousers. You know what I say? If that's your attitude, thank you. I do. I mean that. Um, You know the book of Proverbs states this, faithful are the wounds of a what? As your pastor, I want to be your friend. And if I did not love TBC, I would not preach directly. I would uh, give you a, a, what they call today and the new terminology. We, want, we don't want to use the word message. We don't want to use the sermon. Uh, throughout all churches across America, there's this new move to change the sermon and the message to a talk. So next Sunday, I'm going to deliver a talk to entertain you, tell you a couple of funny stories, and we all leave fat, sassy, and happy. You know what? That's going on in a lot of churches, and their churches are dying for lack of knowledge. May I just say, I'm going to preach directly. And someone who fails to preach the whole counsel of God, they're going to stand before God, and they'll give an account one day. And it's not going to be a good account. Some might be worried, well, if I preach too directly, it'll affect tithing and it'll affect attendance. You know what I'm worried about? I'm not worried about your tithe. Well, yeah, I do want you to give it, but, but I'm not worried about your tithe. And, uh, I, I, I do want you to be in church, but I want you to understand, as your pastor, on this 63rd anniversary Sunday, the overwhelming, over everything The most important thing to me, and the reason I want to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, you know what I am concerned and worried about? You're standing before God. Because every one of us will stand before God. And junk food preaching makes one very sick over time. My prayer and desire is that the membership of TBC will stand before God spiritually healthy, 
Now, you, don't, you can take the, the meal and throw it out, and there's many who have done that. But I want you who are willing to take the spiritual food, take it, chew it, as a cow chews her cud, chew on the message, meditate on the message, allow the word of God to permeate you and to change you to be more like Christ. My responsibility is to help you live a right life before the Lord. And this is far more important than anything else going on here today. Why do we need to live a life that approves things? Look with me again at verse number 10 of our text, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Please be ready for Jesus to come back. It's really going to happen. So very quickly, he says there, he uses two words here, sincere. This word sincere means to examine by holding up to the sun. And in that culture, when Paul was writing, uh, people would try to put a glaze. They would try to cover up the cracks in the pot. But if you held them up to the sun, you could, you could see if the crack was there. And it devalued that pot. The reason for an approving life is because Jesus is coming again and he's going to hold us up. And what's the light going to be? The Heavenly Father. And he's going to see just who we are. He says, without offense. May I just say, selfish living always brings an offense. And someone who decides to do drugs, they live selfishly. Someone who lives selfishly brings great offense to their family and their friends. And think about it for a moment. Every sin that we commit is an offense to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, I want you to prove things that are excellent so that you might be sincere and without offense when he comes back. 1 John 2 and verse 28 says, and now little children abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence. And look at the last of this verse. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't know about you, but that verse scares me. Jesus is coming. Will I be ashamed when he comes back? Uh, I, just let me give you a couple of tests here. When it comes to this area, will my decisions or actions or involvement make others stumble? Do I say, uh, do as I say, not as I do? Too many parents do this. The more that you mature in your Christian life, the more that you understand your actions affect other people. Test, test number two is this Will my decisions or my actions or my involvement cause me to be ashamed when Jesus comes? If Jesus Christ came at this moment that I was doing this activity, would I? Be ashamed. There's a sober reality, folks. Jesus is coming back. Have you, have any of you maybe perhaps noticed that over the past 14 to 16 months, the world's imploding? Has anyone happened to notice that? All around us, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's famines and there's, there's sickness and there's disease and, and there's um, every manner of evil going on. May I just tell you, Jesus must be coming back soon. And there's a warning sign. Slow down. Danger ahead. To live our life without Jesus Christ 
is foolishness. Oh, my time is slipping away. Prayer request number three is this. Paul was praying here, and he said this. I pray for abundant likeness. Yes, I pray for abounding love. I'm praying for an approving life. But I am praying this morning uh, that you have abundant likeness, the apostle Paul said. Our text says that, that Paul prayed for a filling with the fruit of the Spirit. Those fruit are listed there. All nine of them make up the fruit. So you could say, I'm really strong in one and weak in another. Listen, to have the fruit of the Spirit, you must have all nine of these. In Colossians 1 and verse 10, we're challenged to be fruitful in every good work. We learn in Romans 1 and verse 13 that the souls of others are being fruitful. And may I ask you a direct question this morning? Are you like Jesus Christ? Are you becoming more like Jesus Christ? Or are you okay if you're just slightly better than your unsaved friends? You cannot produce abundant spiritual fruit apart from Christ. John 15 verse 4 says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Oh, that we would live our lives to the glory and praise of God, as verse 11 states. It, it is all for the glory and praise of God. And if we're to have an abundant life, then we must have likeness of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about me. We live an, abund an abounding life of love and discernment and of its fruit. It's for the glory and praise of God. But may I just say, we give him glory for who he is. And we praise him for what he does. You see, the destination of the Christian life is this, to have glory and praise of God. I fear that over these last 16 months, we've become callous and stale. And we become jaded and comfortable. And we say, you know what? At least I'm going to church. That counts for something. I don't want my life to be a stumbling block, folks. And if you do not know Christ and, uh, and that he's a part of your life, you cannot bear fruit. And if you are not right with him, you cannot bear fruit. And I invite you to make sure that your life as a Christian is right with Christ. And I invite you, if you do not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you ask him today to be your Lord and Savior. May we abound in love. May we live an approving life. May we see his abundant likeness. I would like for all of us to do something this morning. As I look at these final six months of 2021, may we all continue to serve him watching for those signposts that encourages us, slow down, danger ahead. May we use knowledge. May we use discernment. May we use those signposts, spiritually speaking, that allows us to live our life. And I want to ask you to do something this coming week. All of us, hundreds and hundreds of people that are here today, I want all of us to do this. I want us to memorize a verse together. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. I want us to memorize this verse together. It says this, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do, do it when you feel like it to the glory of God. Is that what it says? There's a word in there that is very significant. So if I'm eating, if I'm drinking, I'm in any other activity, uh, any activity, that's work, my home life, my hobbies, 
that I do all to the glory of God. And in order to do all to the glory of God, that means that my attitude, that means I must be, I must be in love with Jesus Christ. I want to serve. I want to abound in love. I want to be like him. I want to represent him. What about you? 